Welcome back to another conversation on the Retirement Wisdom Podcast. I'm Joe Casey, and today we'll be having a conversation about something on the minds of many people planning for retirement, and that's purpose. What will your purpose be once you leave the world of work? What will be the things that, that drive you after you move on into your next phase? Our guest today is Richard Ajet Verts. He's written a book, Purpose-Driven Retirement, Generating a Purpose-Driven Bucket List. Jed is a retired aviation business executive who makes his home in South County, Rhode Island. Prior to his retirement, Jed was a vice president at Pratt & Whitney Aircraft. While working in the aviation business, he was honored with a number of awards, including the Young Engineers Award, Manufacturing Engineering Award, and a U.S. patent on laser and electro-discharged machining. Prior to his business career, he was commissioned an ensign in the U.S. Navy via the Officers Candidate School at the Newport Naval Station and served in the U.S. Navy during the Vietnam War era as a U.S. Navy service officer. He's married with two grown children, and his hobbies are snowboarding, golf, and he also teaches at the University of Rhode Island's Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, also known as OLLI. He holds an MBA from Xavier University of Ohio and a BS in Mechanical Engineering from Mississippi State University. And he has an interesting and compelling backstory. He was born in Korea. He lost his biological parents during the Korean War and lived in the streets and orphanages until he was adopted by an American GI and immigrated to the United States at the age of 11. Despite the language barrier and starting his formal education late, he graduated with honors from high school and received a full academic scholarship to attend university where he earned a BS in mechanical engineering. Jet, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you for asking me. So when you retired after a highly successful career as an engineer in the aviation industry, what surprised you most about life in retirement? Actually, you know, first six months was like a honeymoon. I never had to wait in the traffic and whatnot. And it was good. I play a lot of golf, a lot of tennis, and I'm a snowboarder, so I did a lot of snowboarding. So it was really good. But to be honest with you, after about six months or honeymoon was over, I actually got bored. I not only got bored, but I was questioning myself, wait a minute, what's the purpose of shooting another golf ball? What's the purpose of going down in a mountain and one more time? And I started to question myself, wait a minute, I have become taker, not a giver. Here I am. I'm eating every day, generating waste, breathing in oxygen and exhaling carbon dioxide. I feel like, wait a minute, I should be more of a productive person giving something back. So actually, I started to, wait a minute, do I need to walk to you know, beach again one more time? I felt like I needed to do something more than just playing golf, just going down in the mountain one more time. So I actually got a little bit bored. So tell us how you decided to begin teaching a course at the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, also known as Holly. Well, actually, I first started to take course. I took a course and I realized, wait a minute, I could teach a couple of courses there. So I did. The first course I taught was I put together a course called Histories and Mysteries of Aviation. Since I worked in the aviation business for 40 years, I knew a few things about aviation, and I taught the course. And during that period, I came to 
meet a lot of people who were going through a sim- similar phase as I was. It was retirement was good. In fact, I used to go and play golf and you know with the guys, and we came to conclusion. Wait a minute, we should be doing a little bit more than just playing golf. When you play golf every day, you eventually get tired. We eventually get bored, and so I decided to come up with a workshop titled "Purpose Driven Retirement." Something that we can develop and do something so we'll have. A purpose and meaningfulness during our retirement period. And that's how I got into Ali. And you hit on some things that I hear from clients all the time. Before they're retired, many of them are afraid to be bored, but there are others who dream of golf every day. Sounds terrific. But why should people pursue a purpose-driven retirement? Well, because, you know, playing golf so much time and, you know, going up and down in a mountain and snowboard, as I said, we became just a taker. You know, we still have a, so much more to give. And I think there should be some sort of a purpose in rest, remainder of your life, rather than just, just being a taker. Because think about it. Today, most people like myself, when we retire at 65, we still have another 20 or 25 more years to go. That's almost a quarter of our life. So. Do we want to be just a taker, remaining remaining quarter of our life, or do we want to be more productive and have some purpose? And that's the way I felt that we should have some purpose. Besides, if you would compare our life to that of the football, game of football, in a game of football, guess what? You win the game at the fourth quarter. You know, you learn things from what opponents are doing what you are better at in the first three quarters. And you can apply that things that you learn and you apply it and you can make the game to be winner. And I think that's the way how I saw our retirement. We have another quarter of our lives to be lived and why not apply all the things we learned during professional career, all the education, and why not make it to be winner? So that's the way how I felt about having purpose-driven retirement. I love your example of using the mid-game adjustments, stepping back, taking a look. How can you redeploy some of the skills, some of the wisdom and experience you have to help others to continue to be a giver? So your book, Purpose Driven Retirement, the course that's based on redefines the bucket list. And how do people often think of a bucket list? And what's your version like? Yeah, so people think a bucket list is something that you want to go and do and travel sort of a single focus, something just doing for yourself. So I came up with an idea where the bucket list should contain three categories. Something, yes, you want to do for yourself, then something that you want to do for your family, and third thing, something that you want to do for your community, country, or the world, okay? So that's somewhat a little bit different than just bucket list. Just a list of one thing, List of things to do in three categories. Okay. So, and what I do during my workshop, I ask people to come up with the two things to do in each category. So, altogether, six minimum. Okay. So, I'm not going to go through all six of mine because it would take too much time. So, let me just go over the three things that I made that I'm going to do. Number one, for personal, I am a big snowboarder and skier. So I decided that I want to ski and snowboard all five continents. 
and which I did. And I accomplished that in five years. Okay. Then on the family side, I decided I would help my children to buy their own house. And I gave them interest-free loans so they could buy their own house. And that was something I was doing for the family. For the community and for the country, I decided to develop this purpose-driven retirement idea into a workshop in which I can uh, promulgate or have a workshop to those retirees who wants to develop a purpose-driven things to do so I can guide them through make this purpose-driven retirement to be three specific type of things to do. So that's, that's my sort of a special purpose-driven bucket list. You'll need more than the vision to create a great retirement. You need to design a roadmap that'll help you get you to where you want to go. Registration for our next Design Your New Life and Retirement program is now open. It starts in April, and it's limited to 10 participants. There's a link in the show notes that'll take you to all the information you need. There's a very early bird discount if you enroll by March 1st. We hope you'll join us with this proven process that will help you create the direction for your next phase. I appreciate that quite a bit. And boy, the bucket list concept looks very different with these three categories. You really have expanded it and will help people think about it quite differently. So I really appreciated reading your book, Purpose Driven Retirement. And it lays out a five-step process that your course also teaches. Could you give us an overview of the five steps? Yes. So five step is the steps which we go through during the workshop in order to get the final purpose-driven things to do. Okay. Step number one is examining your life, reflecting back. When I first asked people to do that, they tend to write an autobiography. I didn't want a long book. And then I tell them to just just put down highlights of what you did. And each highlight becomes disjointed by itself. So I decided to take an engineering approach, like a plotting a graph of your life, uh, plotting a graph with the y-axis being the joy, sorrow. If your really happiest moment will be num- rated number 10, saddest moment to be zero, and that will be on the uh, vertical axis, y-axis, and plot that in the x-axis horizontal line from the date of the, your birth to today. And I tell them to I go through key highlights of event that took place in your life, which was most sorrowful, most joyful. That way you have this connectivity. It's almost like a writing a biography in a plotting manner, in an engineering manner. Actually, it's really good. People have a tendency to get really emotional when they do that, okay? And after they plot the line, I ask them to, as a summary of the plot, I ask them to, okay, reflect on this lifeline and list your strengths, limitations, what you are really good at, what are your hobbies, your passions, or something that you wanted to do, but you didn't really accomplish? I make those kind of lists. And what is your core value? This is a way of reflecting, reviewing your life. That's a step number one, okay? I would say that's probably the most important step, okay? Then step number two, I ask them, okay, 
now that you have reviewed your life all the way up to this point, I want you to redefine who you are today. And I ask them do that by actually generating what I call personal calling card. It's a way to replace your business card. When I was in business, whenever I met somebody, I always, hi, how you doing? Shake their hand. And I take out a, my business card and hand it over to them to let them know, hey, here's your how, how you can contact me. Here's my telephone numbers and whatnot. In many ways, business card defined who I was then, okay? So I wanted to replace that with your personal card defining who you are today, okay? After defining who you are today, then step number three, ask them, okay, I want you to make a wish list of all the things that you would like to do during your retirement in three categories. As I mentioned, category one, personal thing, category two for family, category three for community, country, or the world. I tell them to make minimum of two items on each category, but not to exceed 10. Okay, that's step number three. Step number four, I asked them, okay, now that you made a category of list of things to do, I want you to pick out two items from each. Then, and I want you to put that in writing. As you put that in writing, I want you to put it in writing in a smart mode, S-M-A-R-T. That stands for make it to be very specific thing that you're going to do. Don't say, I'm going to Europe. I want you to say, I'm going to Paris, okay? Very specific, okay? And something that is a measurable, something if you did, hey, you accomplished it, it's, you could be measured, okay? And something that is achievable. If you want a wheelchair, don't say you're going to go and run a marathon. Okay. Something that within your capability. Okay. Then S M A R, something that is realistic. Don't go out and idealistic say, Hey, I'm going to go and solve the hunger problem. Okay. So something that realistic. And as you do this thing, make sure it is time bounded. Don't just say, I'm going to Europe or I'm going to Paris. I want you to say, I am going to Europe and visit Paris by such and such time frame. Okay. So put it in, I call it memorializing it, but putting it in a writing so that you got it in there. Then the final step, I ask them to share your memorialized list. Number one, with the peers in the class. Then with your family, with your loved ones. Because once you share this thing with your family members, guess what? They're going to tell you. They know who you are. They're going to tell you whether, oh, come on, that's unrealistic. Come on, you cannot do that. Wait a minute, do you have the money to do this? All right? But once you make this to be and share this family, guess what? At end of the end, end of the day, they're going to help you to accomplish this. Because you said you're going to do this such and such by a certain time. Your loved one's going to ask you, wait a minute, did you do this? Did you finish this? So they're going to help you to accomplish this, okay? So those are the steps we go through, five steps we go through to generate the purpose-driven bucket list and how you go about accomplishing it. Thank you. And there will be reminders once you share that with family. Yes, exactly it. (laughs) So you mentioned the lifeline exercise, and I'm wondering if you could share 
What were some of the insights you gained when you first completed that lifeline exercise yourself? Yeah, so there's two things. Number one, I didn't realize this, but when you actually do the lifeline, when you plot your life, you know, graph, one gets very emotional, whether you believe it or not. A lot of people in the class, they actually, I had some people coming in actually, as they were explaining, they cry. He said, oh, this is what I did. This is what happened. It's just a very, very interesting thing. Number one. Number two, it makes you realize, hey, this is who I am. This is how I live. This is the way I got to where I am. That helped you to sort of solidify your past. It allows you to move forward with good conscience. Hey, this is what I did. This is where I am. And it allows you to move forward with something maybe you want to do something different, okay? So it's an emotional experience, and it helps you to celebrate the past and move forward. I really love your calling card idea, and I'm wondering if you could share what's on yours and maybe an example or two from some of your students. Sure. So I, I like to share my calling card. I Sorry, I don't have the grab to, you know, actual visual way to show it. But I want calling card to be defining who I am and have the information where they could contact me. Okay. So sort of two, two things, important things in there. So what I have on left hand side of my calling card is me jumping off a clip on a snowboard because that's who I am. I love snowboarding and I want somebody look at this calling card. They know right away. Oh, wait a minute. This is snowboarding. Is that you? Okay. So that somewhat defines who I am. Then on the upper right hand corner, I have a, my name, Jetverse, telephone number and email address. So they could contact me if they have to. Then on the bottom, on the right hand side, I have a quotation which says, retired aerospace engineer whose passion is snowboarding and lives by the motto of just do it, but do no evil. And boldly go where no man has gone before. When you look at that business card, it defines who I am. And that's what I ask everybody to do on the second day of the session. People do that. Okay. Surprisingly, whether you believe it or not, people love this part. Okay. They love designing the card, defining as who they are. Okay. And guess what? 99% 99% of people who attend this, they design the card and they actually go and make it, go to Staples, and you can get a 500 copies of this thing made up for about $10, okay? So it's it's very, very uh, good, you know, good way to sub defining who you are and there's really uh, some purpose to it. Some other people, I had a guy who was auto dealer. He owned a, uh, a Chrysler Motor Corporation and... He designed his card and we came up with something. And after it was designed, he says, oh my gosh, this is better than the business card that I had when I was owner of my Chrysler dealer. Because on a Chrysler dealer, all it said was, I am so-and-so, I'm the CEO of this company. It never defined who I am. Now it says, wow, this defines who I am. I am more of an innovative, friendly person like to uh, talk to people. He said, this is a better card than I had, all right? All right. Another one, I had a person uh, design a card. 
He said, I'm a traveler. And he had a all different silhouette of all different cities, like Paris, New York, London, and car. And he said, hey, I am the traveler. I'm a venturesome seeker. And he said, this card defines who I am. Okay. Just give you some examples. Thanks for some examples. Great idea because it really does, you mentioned, capture who you are today and helps with that transition from your work identity to your new identity in retirement. Jeff, thank you for sharing so much of your insights, so many of your insights here today. Really helpful and great to hear. Great to meet you. Nice meeting you. Thank you for inviting me to talk. So ultimately, this podcast is about taking action. So this segment is about what are your takeaways that you can put into action following this conversation today? Here are three I noted. Number one, can your bucket list use a little bit of purpose? I really liked his idea about the wish list instead of a bucket list in three categories. What are you going to do for yourself? What are you going to do for your family? And what are you going to do for the broader community at large? I think the wish list idea really expands the concept of a bucket list. So what are yours? Number two, do you feel like you're sometimes more of a taker than a giver? I thought that was a great insight. What's the balance for you? One or the other probably isn't ideal, but what are the opportunities you want on the giver side in your retirement life? And number three, what's your calling card going to be? What's the graphic that's going to capture who you are going to be in your next phase. Thanks for listening to Retirement Wisdom Podcast. You can find all of our episodes, browse them at retirementwisdom.com. Our mission is to help you retire smarter by bringing more attention to planning for the non-financial side of retirement. Thanks for listening. 